This is the Epilog audio experience. Look at numbers in 1 2 3 4. Even if 300 people are seeing your video, let's say 300, if you fill them in a room, it's a huge number of people that are seeing it. We're living in the midst of some massive action when it comes to creators and helping them make a sustainable living out of their passions. My guest today on this episode of Jamsters is Divyanshu Damani. He's built a platform for creators to monetize their audiences by offering workshops, courses and much more. Divyanshu is the co-founder and CEO of the Y Combinator bagged Tag Mango. Welcome to Jamsters Divyanshu. It's a pleasure to have you, bro. Cheers, man. Happy to be here. Uh excited for the chat. uh that's in forward for us you know you've uh, traveled the journey as a creator and then to now building an infrastructure for creators um yep. i'm curious to know that you were a kolkata boy and then you shifted mm-hmm. gears and uh, came to mumbai i'm curious to know what was the transition like and why did this switch happen ha oh, um going back to the character days the good old character days so so primarily bro i think uh, to give you some context i started off my journey as a content creator back in calcutta that was back in 2017 18 mm-hmm. um an audience there and then once i was unable to identify monetization for myself as a content creator even after having built a community that was the thesis on top of which tag mango started uh and we started tag mango both me and hasan my co-founder we started tag mango from calcutta itself the first 4 to 5 months we were scaling up the business in calcutta and we were completely brand focused so we were connecting brands with content creators and that was the first model for tag mango um and for context for the rest of the non calcutta audience that will be watching this calcutta is like the slowest city in the <laughs> in the country i don't know if the world also uh i hope calcutta does not send me a defamation suit uh <laughs> but i love the city dude but uh, there's nothing that really moves in calcutta so that was the thesis and along with that um uh, the entire brand ecosystem was completely in bombay so those were the two primary reasons we wanted to shift out of calcutta and also gain greater exposure uh around the startup ecosystems and be around the right minds so that is why the transition happened what that transition led to is where tag mango is today i think i subscribe a large part of the learnings and experience that we've gained at tag mango uh is because we shifted to bombay uh and that that was like a full scene in itself seven boys shifted stayed in a home office um like 16 18 hours we were working and scaling up the business um and bombay allows that to effectively happen so that was i feel one of the biggest game changing inflection points is what i call it in my life uh and that's what bombay did to us i think i i echo that sentiment so much i think it's the city that uh, really adds to the culture of work that you're doing i mean the work that for example you're best suited to is in the area of content creation media entertainment uh passion economy uh even in spite of uh, you know living in a place like kolkata which has culturally very rich heritage um but the difference of you wanting to build tag mango out of mumbai is so relevant and so interesting to hear because you've been a creator yourself and when people say and i want to get a take on this that when people say that you know now it's distributed now it's remote you can do anything from anywhere um do you do you have some thoughts on that in what context 
are people telling that viewpoint that you can be a creator or you can create content or an infrastructure out of anywhere. It's not necessarily uh, based out of a geography per se. What are your thoughts on this? So two thoughts on that. Number one, number one, yes, I subscribe to it. Creating content is democratized. You can simply create content using your mobile phone and blow up completely if your content and your storytelling is strong. So, so it's not geographically restricted. That's point number one, just from a pure content creation standpoint. However, point number two is a little contradictory to point number one, which is that a large part, especially in my initial days of the creator journey, which I would have liked to do and I didn't do a lot, was I was not in the network. And just being mm. in the network of the creator ecosystem makes a big difference. Uh, makes a big difference in terms of the kind of learnings that you can get, uh, in terms of the kind of collaborations you can unlock for yourself and the kind of people that you're going to meet. Um, when I was creating content back in character, I was creating in a silo. So I was using common sense purely in order to build that content. And I did not necessarily involve myself in the ecosystem. And that was something that I would definitely tell all other content creators that are out there. So that is what happens. Uh, my conclusion is that it's not necessary for you to shift to a Bombay for the same, but being involved in the network and figuring out how you can be a part of that makes a big difference in your creator journey from a pure learning standpoint and insight standpoint. And also, of course, the collaboration piece that comes along with it. So that's, that's my thesis along with it. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. And, uh, you know, in general, I mean, building a creator career is, um, is a very, um, lonely journey, right? It's a very siloed journey. And uh, what essentially happens is that when you're creating content and, you know, even within the premises of your room or your house or even your building, wherever you get the access to, um, you think that your hustle will sort of take you much longer from what you're currently doing, uh, farther from what you're currently doing. Uh, but this very interesting point you mentioned about being part of an ecosystem, being part of a network is so important. And I want to tie in back uh, to when we met at the creator pad. Um, which uh, is a sure. very interesting concept that you must talk about. Uh, what is CreatorPad and where did that come from? So the CreatorPad is one of our interesting experiments that we've undertaken in Dag Mango. We're purely a tech company, but uh, one of the things that we know in terms of building moat around businesses or def defensibilities around businesses, especially when it comes to the creator economy, is community. Uh, and offline spaces, like the one that we've opened in Bombay, is a great wedge to build community. And this is a learning that we've taken while we were staying in Launch House in the US. Launch House, for those who do not know and are listening to this podcast, is primarily a community platform. Their exit, they usually get founders, a bunch of founders to stay together in offline spaces and bungalows they've taken in LA, New York, and different parts of the US. And then that community is also translated into an online community and a metaverse community and further uh, they further plan to monetize via Web3. Uh, so that's like the launch house model. Uh, we were already getting creators to monetize using the platform through allowing them to host workshops and courses. And I thought to myself that, hey, if community can be built in such a strong way through offline spaces, then we should definitely think about what we can do for the number of creators that are working along with us. And just like an, uh, an insight there as well, when Hassan and I, both of us were staying in launch house for a creator economy cohort about six, seven months ago, um, after we stayed for the three weeks in that launch house cohort for three weeks in, we were staying in Paris Hilton's house in Beverly Hills, five people from that cohort actually invested 
in the round that we were raising back then that gave me an incredible insight that if offline relationships can lead to these kind of outcomes um then i think that's something deeper to think about so that was the initial thesis uh and we said let's open a space in bombay for content creators one it will unlock collaboration opportunities for our content creators as well and then uh be a strong marketing move for us for the company too so that was the initial thesis and now if you ask me what we are building it as uh i usually say that we are building a cultural hotspot where different ideas across different professions can be sh- like cross pollinated and once those sharing of ideas are unlocked that will allow for greater problem solving overall in the world and greater innovation so that's what the creator pad inherently stands for and that's what we are trying to build the creator community becomes a great wedge to also get that mission out there because there is distribution attached with the creator community but over time you've seen like we've held a lot of different kinds of community events where founders are coming and meeting creators and investors and a bunch of different kind of background folks that are coming in and discussing their professions and things they do um and things they like and not just a, a professional conversation but also a personal relationship that they are building and over time all these conversations is what leads to problem solving in the world problem identification and problem solving both so that is something that i personally am excited about and that's what the creator pad inherently stands for like i mentioned i think when we met as well the idea that you started off with and the way it's morphing right now uh, seems very organic and it and it's and it's and it's such a quick evolution right i think you started off with creator pad i mean such a short time back and in, in that phase yeah. you've already seen so much of action happening in terms of the way you're thinking the way you're approaching um and and the similar parallel that you mentioned about launch house um when we were speaking back then it was it was particularly very important and it was in fact much overdue uh to have a space where people could come together sit brainstorm ideate collab um you know the the way you're running cohorts right now i believe uh, you're having founders and web3 folks and fintech folks coming in and actually doing some interesting stuff at the pad itself very very important and yeah. um, the community building game is the way i think brands are going to harness and brands i mean not companies but individual creators are going to harness and unlock yeah. uh, you know monetization opportunities 100% 100% i'd like i'd just like to share something that i share with my team quite often is uh is something some person that i met at one of the events at the creator pad he asked me that divyanshu do you know about the medici effect um mm-hmm. when we were hosting this founder creator meetup i said no what's the medici effect so he said that in 17th century florence italy there was this family called the medicis and they used to host all these congregations where people from diverse backgrounds used to come artists entrepreneurs musicians etc etc so da vinci galileo all of these used to come uh, together in one space every year annually um and they used to host these host these congregations year after year this particular family what that led to was cross pollination of ideas across these different backgrounds and that led to innovation uh, effectively that solved a lot of the world's problems and uh, because of all these congregations being hosted over time that further led to what we know as the biggest cultural revolution that human history has ever seen which is the renaissance now i'm not saying that we are attempting at the renaissance which is part 2 mm. but uh i through through these offline spaces but that is a good direction towards which we are moving and um, if we are able to unlock that even a slightest piece of that 
And I think our mark on the planet as we leave the planet will be way larger than what we can also expect. So, so that's that's something that I'm really excited about, and that completely aligns with the Creator Pad and the thesis that we've started the Creator Pad with. Love it, absolutely love it. Uh, I also want to go back into a time when um, you started off uh, Tag Mango um, and you co-founded it with Hassan. Um, how did you run into sure. it? How did uh, you have uh, a relationship with him? So backstory, I started while in college, it started a social entrepreneurship venture called Wake Up Kid. In that social entrepreneurship venture early on, I was building social videos on Facebook, doing a bunch of like social campaigns. Um, raising funds for it and running that sustainable campaigns. And uh, it further translated and pivoted into a volunteering donation platform that I was building. I did not have a tech background. So I got referred to Hassan, who had a web IT development company called Flipo. So I Mm -hmm. reached out to Hassan and said that, uh, hey, can you build this for me? And then we were like 20, 21 year olds and we really hit it off back then while we were building that product. And that product, I scaled it up to about 200 NGOs and uh, got a bunch of volunteers and donations transacted via that platform. We could not identify a sweet business model for it. Um, but uh, that was something which was very close to my heart. At that point of time, when we were building the product, we really enjoyed each other's company, right? Uh, there was a similar drive to build something that is beyond us. And that really resonated with both of us. And over time, the next three, four years, we used to meet each other and we were used to discuss that, Are bhai, kuch kamal karte hai, kuch to kamal karte hai. What is an idea we can potentially disrupt, etc., etc. I still have Facebook Messenger chats with him. Where people write that, "Boy, we have to do something. We have to do something." So yeah, I mean, and we've discussed a bunch of ideas over time. And I don't know serendipity or or intent or message you're putting out to the universe, whatever it is. By the end of it, by I think end of 2018, early 2019, is when we met for a very random conversation with my cousin. And then I said that, "Hey, I've read this. This looks cool." In the creator world, we should definitely look deeper into it. And one thing leads to the other. And it just out of sheer, I would say God's will, her tag mango was born is how I can like put it in the least uh, dramatic way. Hmm. Hmm. I want to unpack that point a little bit more. Um, have you given some thought on this, Devyanshu? Because a lot of people with no tech background would want to do something in the tech space. Uh, you come yeah. from a non-tech background, wanting to do something in the tech space, which you're currently doing. Uh, would yeah. you have some perspective advice on what really strengthens or what should you look for in a co-founder, especially when you're starting out? So there are two facets to that question. One is me being non-tech and how should a non-tech person approach it if they're looking to start a tech company uh, without a tech co-founder or with a tech co-founder. And second is purely if I'm looking to get a tech co-founder or any co-founder on board. And what Mm. are some of the things um, that we're looking for there? So on the first piece, if you're a business person um, who's looking to start off with tech, unless and until you're not a super deep tech startup, where specialized skill set is required, I think tech is still highly commoditized as um, in terms of building. Uh, it's not mm-hmm. that difficult to build in terms of finding the right people around you. And of course, finding the right people in terms of you can build a team if you know how to build a team across anything. So what's mm-hmm. important for you to know is why you're building what you're building and what you need to build. The how part you can always find other people who can solve for the how 
in today's world there's enough talent out there if you're a smart individual who can manage people then you will be able to solve for it inherently um so that's purely from a business standpoint if you're a business person and always i always recommend that you do find someone uh with a tech background and bring them um either on a co-founder level or bring them at least uh, on an esop level where they are very very deeply involved with the company that's definitely a smarter decision to do but it's not that it cannot be done so that's mm. just my first line of i wouldn't say advice my first line of thinking and insight in terms of me being someone from a business background and sharing that the second piece in terms of the question you had around how what you should look for in a co-founder i think it's even a co-founder relationship is like even greater than a marriage i can go on to say even that because you'll spend more time with your co-founder than with your wife it's like that much it's like a lot of time so you will be like your wife sotan uh your co-founder will be like your wife sotan it's like a mm-hmm. <laughs> really bad <laughs> reference point but that truly happens dude and um, the first and most important thing i think is vision alignment uh mm. vision and value alignment if those two pieces are there uh, other things kind of fall into place um like those are the top two metrics that i look at that okay do we have similar visions uh, and what we want to build and why we are building what we are building together and do hmm. we have similar values as individuals um if those two are there um of course complementary skill sets are definitely a plus plus on the same and hmm. there are other factors that you can look at overall but for me those are the two highlights that you should look at when you're looking for a co-founder for yourself so yeah i think that's how i will contextualize it interesting interesting you know with a lot of creators who have come on tag mango and creating a bunch of courses um one is the life cohort courses which is the model that you're doing the other is the sure. pre-recorded content yeah um have you seen mm-hmm. any observation trends around monetization angle for creators when they do life cohort courses versus doing pre-recorded courses and then the second part of the same question is that uh user completion of the course have do you have any thoughts around this sure man it's a it's a niche question but uh, it's very natural that completion rates will be very different for pre-recorded versus live courses uh live mm-hmm. courses the engagement is much higher and the involvement of the audience is much higher because they feel that they are part of a community and a live interaction that's taking place at the same time mm. so engagement and course completion rates are like way higher than than pre-recorded courses because it's on a pre-recorded course you have to sit back chill relax you can see your course anywhere in school in college uh chilling at your bed so uh some motivation to complete that course usually kind of falls over time unless and until you're really hooked to the course so i think what i have found as a good formula for creators is uh, you do a bunch of these live interactions and live courses as well but you also have a bunch of pre-recorded courses that you've built for yourself because on one side you're building a deeper engaged community which you can funnel it out and then this greater product you can sell at um sell at a higher value or or uh, mix and match so that cross selling of those products can inherently do and this is this is something that becomes ongoing revenue funnel for you so mix of both live interactions and pre-recorded courses is i think the right sweet spot strategy that we've seen across creators that are executing it well and that's what we recommend to all our creators as well 
So eventually, uh, are you suggesting, Devyanshu, that people sort of move purely from the live cohort course model to a blended model where they do the pre-recorded content of teaching the content earlier and then have some interventions of, uh, you know, conversations, uh, touch points through live courses? Is, is that what you're sort of hinting at? So it can be a mix of both. So of course, mm-hmm. the live courses become a great funnel to build that community and build that engagement. And uh, usually my recommendation is, yeah, you can drive them to what you just said, right? Um, a pre-recorded module where they, let's say, get a set of X number of videos on the same, which they can go through and interaction frequencies of, let's say, once in two weeks or once in a month or whatever that interaction frequency is, depending on creator and the time they can effectively give. Um, that still has uh, the live element to it. Uh, but mm. the amount of time involved for that creator is True. considerably reduced. Uh, so, so capital per minute that you can build for yourself is higher. So that's how I would kind of mm. uh, wire it in my brain. Mm. Mm. No, I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, and the reason why I ask this is because um, when you come across so many creators who have so many varied interests in terms of the content that they want to offer, what kind of requests, uh, you know, creators want from Tag Mango or have they come and asked you, Divyanshu man, we should have something like this or, you know, we would like this to come on Tag Mango. Like what, what are the requests that creators come up with to you? The biggest request is, I think, pretty straightforward, dude. Uh, since we're a SaaS platform, so software as a service for those who don't know, and mm. uh, primarily um, we give the toolkit to the creator and the creator drives their own audience. So individuals mm. that don't have an existing audience in the community usually are unable to monetize on Tag Mango unless and until they run ads and look at inorganic ways of growth for their courses or workshops. So the biggest ask has always been discovery. The good thing mm. is by the end of the year, uh, and this is the first podcast I'm potentially sharing this on. By the end of the year, we'll be getting into discovery for content creators. We have a bunch of users that have transacted via the platform. Um, and um, one will be that funnel. And then there are a few other ideas on the discovery piece as we, which we are running as experiments that I'm particularly excited about. Um, over the end of the quarter third of this financial year is when we'll be rolling out super aggressively, which will be kind of a game changer in the creator ecosystem for sure. Um, So that's something, once it's more evolved, I'd love to talk about maybe if you call me again as a guest on Jamsters. (laughs) No, I love it because uh, I've been privy to this conversation. You and I have had this chat around how you want to scale this and make discovery a possibility. And I absolutely love that idea on what you're working on. I'm super excited to see how that pans out. My next uh, question, a similar thread was, you know, when a young creator is wanting to start out and even for that matter, uh, forget the creator title, right? I think people uh, who are fresh out of college, uh, youth for that matter, Gen Z's and millennials, so many people want to become a YouTuber. They see a career as an Instagram content creator, uh, you know, things of that nature, which which earlier was, was not a possibility a few years back. Um, with that being said, if someone is actually looking to start out in the content creation space, in the creator economy space, uh, how do they start out and what would be your advice to them? It's a broad question, man, but <laughs> let me contextualize top three points I'd like to tell them. All right. So, so the first point is it's, it's not very, it's, it's relatively generic advice, but that's kind of what works. Uh, one is identifying platform early on, which at that point of time is giving organic reach. So Mm. any of these platforms, be it a Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, 
if you if you if I just put it on a timeline, I've seen different platforms giving uh, aggressive organic reach at different points of time. Uh, so when I was doing Facebook, Facebook was giving aggressive organic reach. When I was doing right. uh, Instagram, when it launched Reels, Reels was giving aggressive organic reach. YouTube Shorts, when they launched YouTube Shorts, was giving insane organic reach. And it's from because I run a tech company. Uh, it's a stand. It's a philosophy from the tech company standpoint as well. If I'm launching a new mm-hmm. feature set, it's very True. natural that I'm going to push that feature set to my user base so that it gets used and it gets adopted, and then people get habituated. And especially short form video as well, why all of these platforms are pushing is because for Instagram, if you look at it from a macro level, Instagram is looking at a TikTok, which can potentially take over an Instagram and all their users. Uh, and they say that, okay, let us build a similar feature set or else all the users will go to the short form video content piece that's being built, right? So uh, identify the platform that is giving aggressive organic reach and then start building on that as well. So right now, if you ask me, LinkedIn's a great platform to build right now. Oh. LinkedIn is pushing hard for creators, for creator economy. I think they'll, I spoke to the LinkedIn team. They're also planning to do video. Uh, LinkedIn's a great platform that you can, if you have that kind of content, then you should definitely be putting out content on LinkedIn. It's also a higher paying audience that you should kind of build on. Of course, Instagram reels and YouTube shorts, those are harder to build on, but still it's giving organic reach versus if you're doing long form content on YouTube on the longer run. It's, it's very, very hard to kind of grow on that. Um, again, because there's always the, the, the opportunity to get discovered is very, very low. Um, so start off by choosing those platforms and be entrepreneurially minded there. So point number one is that point number two, think like an entrepreneur, not like a creator, right? So a lot of the creators inherently are aligned with the thesis that, Hey, I just have to build content. And over time that'll, uh, that'll get one of my videos will get viral and that will effectively, um, uh, that will effectively give, give me that, that snowball effect that I need in order to reach the next league. Uh, but an entrepreneur does not hedge their bets completely on one strategy, right? Uh, so how do you, what are some of the other strategies that you can look at? Uh, I really like a few creators in terms of how they go about using it. For example, Avanti Nagral, right? She goes on doing so many different kinds of collaborations across the creator ecosystem and she goes on building one after the other. What that does is cause fresh content for her audience to see, but simultaneously that newer collaborated like content that they're getting and a newer audience that's looking at her face and building that brand visibility and presence. Um, so unlocking those collaborations for yourself and don't look at that, hey, if I have 5,000 followers, 10,000 followers, 15,000 followers, 20,000 followers, just do as many collaborations I feel as you can and which feels right for you from a creative standpoint as well. Um, and involve yourself in the network. The first point that we were discussing about, uh, involve yourself in the network, get to know people, get agencies to know you uh, because that can potentially get you more work, get you more visibility get startups working in the creator economy like ours and other startups that are working to get to know you, uh, get yourself involved in the ecosystem. Uh, usually people don't do that. Uh, go to events that are, let's say, creator economy focused. Like creator pad is a great place to actually for any upcoming creator to be at. Absolutely. Um, but yeah. Um, and like you should put yourself out there unless and until you don't put yourself out there, not purely on social media, but as an individual. And build your offline personal brand. Uh, it makes a hell of a difference, and I've seen that firsthand. 
the last point the last point is again it's a generic point dude but i have seen it now so often there's a friend of mine he's very he's now he's become very popular he was a school friend of mine he started content after getting inspired by uh seeing me create content and he was my schoolmate and bunch of folks would be knowing him deepak right deepak parikh mm. so deepak inherently started content and for 2 years he struggled with content and he had a ton mm-hmm. of naysayers that were after him uh that hey why are you building content etc etc and all of that for 2 years he was consistent with it uh he was at it uh even though he was not getting the numbers that he was potentially looking at and then there was an inflection point that comes in any creator's journey who is at it long enough uh and this inflection point arrived when reels was launched and then now he's built an incredible and he's doing now following content creation full time um there's a team member of mine uh whom I really look up to Vasundra right Vasundra manages the creator pad right now and she's been building content for the last two and a half three years it's been a long time mm-hmm. and she's she's been I've I've always told her even within my team and the team meetings I have that she's been incredibly consistent with it and of course I've always given feedback that hey be more innovative try and find something new think of the box etc etc instead of being aligned in a similar format but her consistency of being at it uh just recently only one of her videos kind of blew up uh and which got like 3.3 million views or so uh and still it's running um and and a lot of these things you cannot predict for yourself because it's so True. random uh but what you can predict is the number of videos you can put out is the quality yeah. of the content that you can put out if you can predict that so let's predict that uh and increase our chances and probability of that that virality or that distribution for you to increase um and that just boils down to persistence so that's incredibly important it's extremely tough and all creators who become creators that are great creators will always have a similar story out there it's extremely tough but if you really look at yourself being amongst the top 1% you can't do things that are easy that's it bunch of things to unpack there divyanshu one thing that this stand out for me um and this is something that i happened to run at uh, one of one of these creator meets that i was at and uh, one of these young kids asked that uh, you know every genre feels saturated it feels that everything is done and dusted and if i enter right now um it seems like i am trying to replicate copy mimic someone um you know thinking about it that that i mean i could understand and empathize where that was coming from because uh, the larger players seem to may have dominated the space of what they currently doing they get all the leverage um, and obviously traffic brings more traffic but someone who's starting out right i think um, would there be some ways to stop this inhibition right and just go and create material or create content irrespective of whether the genre is you know crowded not crowded or whatever or do you actually think that you should actually stay away from things that are actually really crowded so i think it's it's a commonly used word which is the blue ocean and the red ocean strategy um mm. and the blue ocean strategy can effectively be used for it's used for crowded spaces as well what is the blue ocean strategy it's identifying a way to do things um which is completely different from how it's done uh if you read the book the blue ocean strategy the first example that they take is of cirque du soleil 
I don't know if you know about Cirque du Soleil. Of course. Uh, it's a, it's a theater group. Uh, it's a circus, right? Without animals, and they create all these acts, um, which have gymnasts and a really beautiful storytelling and all these different elements, and which encapsulates the audience really strongly. And they identified the trend that there was a trend of people saying that hey, animals should not be used in circuses. and it's always getting replicated in the same format they said that if there is a trend that's picking up right now in that direction uh then we should figure out how can we still entertain the audiences because there is a want there is a demand to get entertained because people are willing to pay to get to circuses what can we do in our product that is that differentiating factor and really go after it so the circus market was still a crowded space right mm. still a crowded space but they identified that unique thing that could be done which differentiated them from the others so that's the same thesis i will ask for the creator to kind of follow they're doing entertaining finance whatever content they're doing they have to find that blue ocean strategy piece uh that's there and it's very similar to what startups do is the same thing as running a startup you run different forms of experiments with your content you try this you try something wacky you try something in terms of presentation try in terms of content delivery whatever you're doing you're running multiple experiments all the time to find what i say content market fit startups have product mm-hmm. market fit the creator needs to find content market fit and once you see that one thing is working then you double down upon that but the like a, like in a startup you need to have the patience of running those multiple experiments um if you do not have let's say uh, a background which can purely support you to do content creation full time then do it as a side hustle in the beginning build it scale it up run those experiments uh, burn that extra midnight oil and then uh, as things grow and and blow up then you can think of taking the plunge full time if you do have the opportunity and are privileged to take it full time and you want to give yourself the opportunity to do 6 months 12 months of content creation then jump right into it but identify the blue ocean strategy whether it's in the crowded space or whether it's outside the crowded space as well whatever niche that you'd like to choose mm mm and um and i'm and i'm trying to contextualize in the sense that um how could this be sort of used for people right i think for me from the way you're telling it could just essentially be the spin that the person brings the perspective the background the experience someone brings to creating that piece of content as well right um the same thing like i've seen this a lot in finance currently right people are doing a lot of sketches to deliver financial content in a comedy way right and 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 a lot yeah. of people have been doing it but getting their own spin on it which is very very interesting to see generally finance tends to get a little yeah. heavy uh, the jargon sort of you know tends yeah. to bog them down a little uh, but to make it in a easy yeah. you know snackable way makes it a lot more fun so i think finance being such a crowded space in spite of that people are finding their own niches so that sort of circles back to the point of blue ocean uh, strategy piece for sure i mean that's a great example that you've taken like what let's say someone like a finance with sharan does it's pretty cool man <laughs> it's damn cool uh, how he's able to convey that information in such a fun way and create storytelling around it and that's why he's blown up the way he's blown up um and i'll tell you a secret dude even in terms of finding innovation it's hard work right mm-hmm. running those experiments is hard work and really pushing the the boundaries of your brain to find those potential things that can be differentiators 
and uh, also another secret is that you will not get it on day one if you are lucky if you're super lucky you'll get it on day one but the process of even let's say i wouldn't say imitating someone the process of getting inspired by someone and creating that content is refining you to find that strategy as well um and if you truly have a love for the art and you think that this is potentially can be built as a business down the road and i like people to think more from an entrepreneur standpoint less from an artist standpoint always that you're building a, a customer base that you can sell future products to uh, because that's how people will think um that you can build that customer base then then you're good to go so so that's that's something that uh, it'll, it's stronger contextualization there so one thing that i have uh, often thought about in particularly context to tag mango is that um you mentioned a little while back about the word agency right get in front of agency um and one thing that occurred to me uh, and i don't know what are your thoughts on this i'd love for you to expand and go deep on this as well feel free to do it is that when your exposure to creators is so much uh have you not thought about artist representation creator representation as a model uh and if yes why if no why so the straight up answer is no uh and i'll tell you why not um so initially when tag mango started we started connecting brands with content creators and we were focused more on micro nano influencers some of the even 5000 or 500 followers can kind of make money do barter deals with brands and we find relevant fit in terms of customer profiling and get those individuals to talk about that brand at scale one of the bigger challenges that we identified was that human intervention in that was large brand says ki mere ko ye chahiye creator ko char bar usko revise karke bhejna padta hai so there is always a human element that's attached with it and any time in a tech company if there is a human element it's non scalable anything that we mm-hmm. doing has to be scalable uh, unless and until it's not scalable then you cannot grow that fast uh, the way that you're looking to grow and and then it becomes a non fundable startup you can create and like i love agencies i've got like most of the top agencies are good friends of mine um and you can churn a lot of cash and create business model for sure um but uh, but inherently like the question that michael siebel had posed to us who's the y combinator ceo that the answer you have to decide whether you want to build a 20 million dollar business and take a million dollar salary home or you want to build a multi billion dollar industry and create real world impact where innovation kind of thrives and when he put things into that context i was like okay let us find innovation which can solve for problems for current creators um in new ways instead of going after the same pie that's already existing or getting brands to connect with creators yeah. and possibly increasing yeah. efficiency sir then that's something that really excites me i love expanding value so that was thesis number 1 and second quick thesis uh just for the india market uh, the brand market is super limited in total mm-hmm. it's a 3 billion dollar spend in india uh digital marketing in which facebook google all of those exist in the country as well so when you are building an ad tech model then it's very difficult for you to actually build something a 100 million dollars in revenue in the indian mm-hmm. market specific then you will have to go global then it's a different ball game you're competing with global competitors all of that um but the model that we've selected um it can potentially be scaled up and independently it can churn 100 million dollars of revenue because we are creating a category around the creator ecosystem it's a longer time span will take more 
more time to actually build that because there's a lot of education required in it. But the upside in the longer run is way, way higher and the scalability is way, way higher. So that's the, that was the thesis. But in this particular context, when a creator um, is looking at making a living out of, you know, just creating content, um, you mentioned that this is a $3 billion market. Correct me if this is a subset of the point that I'm currently going to ask you is that a large part of the revenue for a creator would come from brand deals or campaigns. Um, and that's essentially what they are looking at, right? And are you talking that this $3 billion market is also catering to these creators, brand deals in particular to help them sustain and have a living? Is that part of this equation? That's point one. And point two is this, that if you're talking okay. about courses, which Tag Mango does, uh, do you think that is now becoming an increasingly important share for a creator to rely on for uh, finances? Sure. I think great questions. So number one, yes, that's part of the $3 billion market itself. Influencer marketing is, I think, like currently 1,100 crores. Just my celebrity endorsements, et cetera, et cetera, which is a different ballgame and it kind of skews data. Um, mm. But uh, uh, it's part of the it's part of the $3 billion spend. Just my Facebook, Google, jitne bhi ads, hai, wo sab bhi aate. all of that is all part of the $3 billion spend. Compared to, it's not the right comparison in terms of the US, but US is a $200 billion spend in terms of digital marketing. So when you look at these ad tech plays, three to 200 is like a 65 X difference, which is crazy for sure. Uh, mm. And then it makes sense, makes sense to build for the US. And of course, CAGR is great. We are growing digital marketing, I think 32%. So of course, long-term trends show positive, but uh, the human challenges and overall scalability challenges are the reason for the same. The second piece in terms of pure courses, uh, I think it's a fast expanding kind of market right now. We have comparables in other countries like Brazil. For example, mm -hmm. another comparable is a company called Hotmart in Brazil. I don't know if I told you the other day. Mm -hmm. uh, Hotmart does, Hotmart is very similar to what we do. They allow creators mm -hmm. to build digital products, which is courses, workshops, later events, maybe merch, NFTs, whatever they'd like to sell digitally uh, through their respective platforms. And um, and they've really captured the Brazilian market. They're doing $200 million in revenue today. Uh, and they're the ones who acquired Teachable as a startup uh, and scaled it up. So independently, I think capturing market is really big in terms of the creator ecosystem. And simultaneously, uh, for us as well, um, we the focus is getting the creator into our community. I usually like mm. taking a step, step back. Uh, I usually draw this Figma in front of my company, uh, which Disney had made, Walt Disney had made in 1957. And he made this sweet Figma where uh, Disney's entire business model was laid out. In the center of that business model was theatrical films for Walt Disney. And this is back in 1957 when he made. And then there were branch outs of all the different businesses that Disney was into. Comic books, TV shows, um, Disneyland, etc., etc. Right? And all of it tied back to theatrical films that became the core business for them. Uh, for us, if I had to draw, like if I had to juxtapose that for us at the centerpiece is the creator, right? Uh, now, how do we get the creator through all these different formats, be it the creator pad, be it the content we are creating, be it the community activities that we are building uh, and even our partnerships with all these agencies for our centerpiece is the creator. And these are offline ways to get the creator into our funnel. And then we check the creator out uh, and allow them to make money 
anything direct to audience. So right now they're selling courses, workshops, uh, then NFTs, merchandise, pure content. We've seen content plays also making money. That's how they will effectively make money. And as this funnel of the creator ecosystem creeps increasing, as the centerpiece of the number of creators keep increasing, which they'll keep increasing over time, over the next decade, two decades, that's when the real juice is. Right now we're super early, man. We're super early. Like uh, there's a lot of education required. It'll take time for us to build, but we'll have to go that route. And I'm completely aligned with the thesis of, of building it in that fashion itself. Very interesting. Uh, you mentioned about Siebel uh, a little while back, Michael Siebel, right? I think um, uh, what Y Combinator is doing is absolutely inspiring for decades now. Uh, and the kind of works and the opportunities and the networks that I've been creating, I think every startup would want to be a part of Y Combinator in some form, shape. Um, you were part of the Y Combinator ecosystem. Um, what were your key learnings? What mindset shift happened for you once you were there in that exposure? Great question, dude. So, so as an overview, I think uh, Y Combinator was the single biggest inflection point for me in my startup journey, more so because I did not have exposure to being a startup founder. So the biggest value add from their end was the thinking about how to run a startup um, versus, um, versus a traditional business. I came from a traditional business background. Uh, I've seen family businesses and all of that, even my previous things that we're building. But the thinking that they gave to us in terms of how you should look for product market fit first, uh, how you should attack that with frugality. And uh, once you figured out product market fit, which is the zero to one journey, then you can go to one to end journey or one to hundred journey that you go for. Uh, and that thinking of just being a startup founder was the biggest value add that we, we got. There were a ton of ancillary value adds and one that, that I definitely like to highlight was the network. Just being in the exposure of such smart, brilliant minds actually gave me the insight. And because I came from business background, so I was kind of a square peg in trying to fit into round holes. Uh, of the 30 other founders from India that were there across 15 startups, I was the only guy with a business background. The rest of everyone was from IITs and IITs, all of that. Uh, engineering backgrounds completely. I was like, yeah, yeah, I get all, I get all that, uh, <laughs> that you're saying. <laughs> Trying to blend so, yeah, in. I was, I was like, I was like, yeah, yeah, dude, of course, man. I get the dude. <laughs> so that's all I do all the time. Uh, <laughs> but, um, but, but inherently, um, like, like the network was exceptional, man. And, uh, the kind of people they are, especially people in tech, I really love them. Um, they don't have any, like faff around them. They've built something incredible. They're truly looking at creating value. They're so collaborative. They're so open to make introductions. That's like true founder mindset. Uh, and I met with like YouTube founders, the founder of Twitch invested in the company. I'm like, what's happening with my life? I don't even understand. <laughs> at oh, that for sure, man. Uh, yeah, dude. And um, that kind of network and exposure that we got was exceptional. Um, because I was a young, young startup founder without any startup background. Uh, so those were like the two top value adds that I'd like to highlight for sure. On a, on a parting note, you know, I'm, I'm curious to know what would be yeah. your three important pointers that you would want to tell creators who are starting out. First one is don't chase vanity. Vanity will kill you. What I mean by that is um, we are always looking at 
oh my god i need a million followers oh my god i need 100000 followers etc etc look at building community do a thousand people truly love you um and engage with those thousand people build that community and think about okay if i have a thousand people that love me uh how can i create more value for them and make money off the bat one of the biggest problems in the creator world especially when it comes to brands is that brands also look at those vanity metrics only and i like i'm not a big fan of brands of course i mean if you've reached there you should definitely partner with brands and even i might partner with brands down the road if uh if there is a very very sweet segue which is like a very deep connection with a brand like a nike saying that hey we should do some kind of collaboration something like that but um in terms of pure community find those thousand people that love you and what you're chatting about with them um and early on in the journey start thinking of monetization instead of waiting for those 100000 followers and that brand to arrive and knock at your door uh, that's the smarter way to do it secondly um build visibility for yourself like i had already mentioned in in beat offline visibility online visibility as well and online visibility you know it's not even a bad idea um to experiment running ads to get a new audience set to come and follow you um it is challenging um but it's not a bad idea entirely the reason um i say that is that Uh, you are effectively running it as an organization then you are building it to create distribution for yourself once that distribution has arrived then you can monetize that distribution in various ways of course you have to maneuver algorithms and things like that so look at places you can build visibility for yourself um apart from just purely creating content be it offline online whatever those ways are and there's like a ton of things that you can do <laughs> and third man just as a creator like i am a big fan of creators and artists and and what they do and the magic that they're able to create in the world i mean they they literally create something that was non existent from scratch and as are able to create so much of value um don't look at numbers in thousands and 2000s look at numbers in 1 2 3 4 even if 300 people are seeing your video let's say 300 if you fill them in a room it's a huge number of people that are seeing it so look at the individual impact that you're creating in those each individual's life whether it's 300 or 3000 or 30000 or whatever the scale that you are at but don't look at that person as a number look at that person as a person once you look at that person as a person you'll realize the kind of impact that you're able to create be it through entertainment be it through education whatever you're creating all of that So that's the third point that I have, man. You know, Devanshu, it's been such a pleasure hearing all the perspectives that you've built through starting uh, as a creator to now building Tag Mango and now with Creator Pad. There is so much more that's going to unfold, and I'm very excited for you. Uh, and I'm and I'm really waiting to see the discovery piece that is going to unfold very very shortly. Thanks, thanks so much for being on Jamsters, man. No, cheers, brother. Thanks for having me. I think you're an incredible host. You've got smart questions. um thoughtful questions you can break it down so i think you're doing incredible man let me know if i can help in any way thank you if you enjoyed this episode of jamsters please make sure you subscribe to eplog media and all major podcasting platforms such as spotify jio saavn gana apple podcasts and google podcasts among many others for upcoming episodes you know i love listening from each one of you 
So please make sure you share this podcast with your friends and family and your colleagues and please make sure to drop a comment on Apple Podcasts if you're listening there and also if you're listening on Epilog Media they've recently launched a feature where you can comment on the particular episode too your support is my fuel you can connect with me on Instagram @hardikdivedya or on LinkedIn too catch you on the other episode